Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a Drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, we're talking about chapters 15 and 16 of Goblet, Goblet of Fire. We are going to be discussing things that I've already forgotten about. But, you know, grab some wine. Wow. Or other That was drinks. me worthy. That was great. I've done well here. So well. Yeah, we discuss um, some stuff and it's good and we go on some tangents so yeah grab a glass and uh, join us on this reminiscent journey reminiscent journey we're back again and it's still coronavirus lockdown people at this point are like i wish they would stop mentioning it like we get the picture <laughs> no they all know well people who are listening in two years are like would you do stop talking about it but people listening in the moment they know they, they, they know how it feels but yes if we sound like we're not together it's because, it's because we're, not. we're not because although people may think we spend all our time together and that charlie is a thruple with me and neil she does not actually live here and has had to quarantine somewhere else but we do legit like we've had questions before like do you guys live together and it's like no no <laughs> as no. much as i always try and move in no <laughs> i mean you did once do a food shop with us and then come to ikea with us i was like um, Hi. <laughs> in defense of the IKEA, originally I was going to IKEA, and then I invited Hannah, and then Neil invited himself. He did invite himself. I was like, I'm going to IKEA with Charlie, and he was like, Okay, I'll be ready in half an hour. I was like, I didn't invite what? <laughs> and also, then I felt like the third wheel, and I was like, Originally, this was just me going. I just wanted house plants. <laughs> we need to do that once all this is over. My house plants are dying, and yours will a hundred percent be dead. <laughs> I know. I'm really, really sad thinking about it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's already been a month. They're already gone. They're <laughs> gone, Charlie. They're so gone. Anyway, we are back with episode 42 chapters. Something I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, God. Let me have a look at my notes. 15 and 16. 15 and 16. But first, we have new Patreons and new reviews to do because we didn't do it last time and you've all been so lovely. Yeah, so a massive, massive thank you to Hayden. Lee. Le- oh, fuck. Labour. Labour. I'm going to go with labour. If that's wrong, labour, you just shoot me a message and I will tell everyone I was wrong and correct myself. A big massive thank you to Akilla. A huge thank you to my name twin, Hannah. What's up? A huge thank you to Ali. A massive thank you to Thomas. And a giant thank you to Kirsten. And a super big thank you to our new producer-level Patreon, Catherine. So thank you to everyone who has joined the Patreon family. As you guys know, there is new bonus content going up there. We try to, I say try to, I don't know why I say this, but we never stick to it. But we try to upload one bonus episode every fortnight in between the normal episodes. We've been really good at that for several months now. I will have you know. Yeah, we've been better at yeah. it. We do so... either like one like, like, not like short short but like one short episode like every other week or if we do like a big massive episode then it'll be like once a month yeah but but yeah but if you if you if you miss us in the two-week gap that's where we are we also upload behind the scenes stuff and notes and things like that and all those people are also helping to keep this podcast alive keep it running and also i wrote all those goals none of which we can now do because of covid i know that all like go to different countries and it's like that has not aged well but the most i know we were like literally a month before lockdown we were like we're gonna go to america for the econ we're gonna go to albania yeah Mm-hmm. I know. So the we're most... going to go to the studio tour. We're going to go to the cast job performance. <laughs> One day, guys, it's all being saved up. Did we make coronavirus happen by Did being we optimistic? <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, at one we point also... we were like, oh, soon we're going to like announce like all of the things that we're doing with the money. And now we're like, oh, oh, yeah, we, we can't. <laughs> yeah don't worry guys the money is still going to towards a pot of fun things this is yeah like... let's just say summer 21 for goblet of wine i so almost did you hear me do the f then I'm... i did you were like goblet of wine <laughs> yeah 
summer 21 is gonna be wild there is gonna be be so much we're gonna meet so many of you it's gonna be amazing we're gonna do a goblet of wine like world tour yeah literally like i'm like with this summer i was like charlie do we have enough money are we ready and 21 i'm just gonna be like let's do everything <laughs> literally the most recent thing we did over on patreon which is really good fun is that we did essentially like a director's commentary on the first film oh so it's yeah like basically like two and a half hours that you can play at the exact same time with the film and it's just me and hannah like drunkenly shitting on the film and then also just, like, just screaming like oh yeah it's just like hannah repeating the lines and then me just like talking about my personal life like <laughs> so if that for some reason sounds a- appealing to you then that that's available for five dollars a month it's not worth it other people to shout out are the amazing people who leave us reviews which if you don't have the money for patreon which by the way is absolutely fine you can leave us a review for free which also helps the podcast massively because it helps bring us up in like search results and things like that so the first thank you goes out to erica the potterhead who tells us in their review that they are 16 which scares me charlie we are influencing the young minds there is one of our patrons now that is 17 no and, <laughs> and they're in the discord no it's bad i know i'm just like oh no we talk about inappropriate things on there <laughs> um she also says that she loved the story about the bat it was a good story oh my god a story about a bat corona <laughs> just loving again we made corona happen we made the coronavirus happen guys a huge thank you to shaylee 0895 who once again oh, we did charlie yes yeah, sorry yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. thing i had to warn you about it would have taken me too long to write the reviews up with uh, typing in the keys I have missing. As you guys may know, four of the keys on my laptop broke during a podcast recording. So because it's a joint issue, Charlie, have fun reading the reviews without four of the keys. I'm just going to read as is. So according to Hannah's interpretation, Shaylee says, make thee how how long die something to look forward to every day. To translate, day. it says, makes the long drive something to look forward to every day. Makes the hour-long drive something to look forward to every day. Incredible. Could not read that. <laughs> Do you want me to, like, try and read the others? Thank you to Flav11, Flav11, who says, we point out things that they haven't noticed and that we're their favourite along with fanatical fix which is the highest of praise thank you incredible praise a huge thank you to harmony and then there's just the lion emoji <laughs> yep okay uh best company in the <laughs> kuna ayas cap <laughs> like sitting with ians in eel life no eli eli so translate best company it. Try to in translate coronavirus it. i don't know what cap is crap crap like sitting with friends in real life correct well done <laughs> and lastly thank you to eva two zero 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 six who says they especially loved charlie reading her fan fiction i'm glad someone did that was like the worst <laughs> couple of hours of my life <laughs> Right, Charlie, what are you drinking today? I am drinking some weird gin. Fantastic. Yeah, it is bright pink and it claims to be, oh, I can't even remember. I think it was like either like strawberry or raspberry or something. I don't know. But like raspberry, vanilla and meringue flavoured. It's, yeah, it's very, very sweet. And because I didn't want to have to like get up halfway through this episode to make another, I've just made it like really, really strong. Yes. You may have seen earlier, I took a sip of it and then winced. <laughs> and it's oh. gin, so. Do you want to know what I'm drinking? So, because between episodes, basically, we just left the audio running whilst we went and did our shit. And I came back earlier than Hannah and could just hear her and Neil in the kitchen saying, it's really dirty like we've got to get the dirt off it why is it so so i'm picturing whatever they're she's drinking they like dug up from the garden 
Incorrect. We don't own a garden. You know we don't because I haven't been outside in days, weeks, months. What is it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm losing the plot. I've started opening my window really wide and sitting half out of it and pretending it's the outdoors. I really hope you fall. So Charlie, what is the second chapter we're reading called? The Goblet of Fire. Is it so? Oh, you've got the goblet. Oh, that that was what was dirty. <laughs> and guess what it's filled with? Fire whiskey? Wine. Wow. Oh, I thought fire, fire whiskey, but yeah, wine, wine is a more obvious. No. So, so I was actually going to save doing this until the chapter where Dumbledore says the line goblet of wine, but we can do it twice. I decided that now was as good a time as any to do this. So if you don't know, I, I actually no, this is owned by both of us. It just lives in my house as many things do. Uh, we own a goblet that we won during our first ever Harry Potter pub quiz that we went to in our local area. It's in a, a very famous like gay bar and it's amazing. And we won this goblet and we both drank wine out of it on the night. There's a great video of you drinking wine out of it. So I filled that with wine because goblet of wine, goblet of fire. And also just to further confuse myself, because if you guys remember, if either of us say goblet of wine instead of goblet of fire, we have to take a shot. And this is, the, the second chapter is Goblet of Fire. So this is going to be, uh, if it's going to happen, and it's going to be And as we've also said, if we miss something that either of us do, you guys can find it, tell us the timestamp and retroactively tell us to take a shot, which we will take in the next episode. If either of us miss something, the other one does. Yeah. I am living for you drinking out of this. Anyway, chapter 15, Beaubaton and Durmstrang. Yeah, you know what I was going on about about how I make my notes? I literally yeah. just put like, chapter 15, B and D, because I can't spell either of those things. <laughs> so Harry writes a letter to Sirius saying that he made up the entire thing with his scar hurting. He's just like, no, I dreamt the whole thing, Sirius, don't come back. And it's like, Harry, it's... And he, he wakes up like, I've got a plan in my mind. It's like, Harry, this is the worst plan ever like congratulations it's literally not gonna work my favorite thing though is that Hedwig is still really in a half because of what an <laughs> arsehole he was no. so like refuses to take it and in the end the only reason she takes it is because he's like oh well I guess I'll get Pigwidgeon to take it then and then she's like I will take it yeah I'll take it I just I love Hedwig Hedwig so is the sassiest best little owl like. so a few weeks pass and here is where we learn that Moody puts the imperious curse on each of them so Harry describes the first lesson and it's he's like going around saying what Moody did to each of the pupils. And it says that Dean is made to hop around the room and sing the national anthem, which raised a huge question with me. Do the wizards have the same national anthem as us, like English muggles, or do they have like a wizard national anthem? Yeah. And also like a question for me is, if you don't know something, can Imperius make you do it? Because I don't know the words no. to the national anthem, so... Charlie, there's like five words in the national anthem. It's God save the queen. You literally repeat that a load of times. That can't be all of the words. Sure. God save our gracious queen. Long but I don't live know our the tune. Holy queen. God I save don't know the, the queen. Tune. Send her victorious. Happy and glorious. Long live our queen. We have a shit national anthem. Like nothing against Liz. I love Liz, but no. could we please have a national anthem about our... Wait, no, what? that would be a terrible no, national there's anthem. there's loads of words. So it's, shit, never mind. It's, God save our gracious queen, long live our noble queen, God save the queen, I don't know the tune. Send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the queen. I said that. Oh Lord God, arise, scatter No our... one sings that bit. No, 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 no. Scatter no, 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 no one sings that bit. And make them fall. That is intense. What? Confound make them fall. their make politics. Wow, this is incredible. Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks. On thee are hopes we fix, God save us all. Not in this land alone, but be God mercies known. From shore to shore, Lord, make the nation see that all men should brothers be and form one family, the world, the wide world over. For from every latent foe, from God's assassin's blow, God save the queen. Oh, uh, no one sings sign. this bit. No one. We all just sing the first bit. <laughs> this is incredible, though. Oh, uh, her thine arm extend for Britain's sake. Defend our mother, prince, friend. Oh, God save the queen. Thy choices gifts in store on her 
be pleased to pour. Long may she reign. May she defend our flaws. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna stop now because it's really long. But that is incredible. No, I just everyone just sings the first bit, and also that national anthem is shit, and that's why we should have Jerusalem, which is the best song ever. But never mind. What song? The one they sing. It's the alternative one in rugby. Um, who did he make sing that? Dean. Anyway, that's what I'm asking. Did Dean sing the national anthem, or do wizards have their own national anthem? Surely they're not singing "God Save the Queen." Yeah, surely not. And like, you wouldn't know the words, surely. But well, then, Dean, why would. Dean have... was raised by muggles. But they don't have like their own monarchy. So, but you say he was raised by muggles. So was I, Hannah. I don't know the lyrics. You know, God save the queen. You know, you know the first line. That, that's the first line. Not... <laughs> I'm assuming that Dean just sung everything that I just read out and more. <laughs> well, maybe wizards have their own national anthem. Maybe it's like God save fudge. I don't know, but the point is, like, abolish the monarchy. But you love Liz. No. When it's Harry's turn, so it's described as, like, Moody's voice inside his head telling him to do something. And uh, then, like, a small voice enters Harry's head, like, questioning what he's being asked. And because of this small voice, Harry manages to half-stop himself. And, like, I'm wondering what this means for Harry compared to the rest of the class. Like... Does it mean he has a stronger character? Does it mean he's less of a follower? Does it mean he's just got a better innate ability at defence against the dark arts? Like, obviously this is to be expected because Harry's our protagonist, but like... I've always found this really weird to me because the way I see it is that there seems to be like certain groups of magic and not in like any kind of official way, but in the same way that if you're good at maths, you're probably going to be good at things that follow the same kind of logic as maths versus if you're good at like creative things, you're going to be good at like other things that use creativity. Yeah, like the two halves of your brain thing. Like I'm really bad at languages because it uses a certain part of your brain, but I'm very good at the other stuff that uses the other half. So to me, what's weird about this is that Harry is really good at throwing off the Imperius curse, but the, there's two other things he's really, really bad at that we discover later on. One of those is stopping... Legilimens. Yeah. And to me, that seems like the same kind of magic. He's also really bad at non-verbal magic. And again, that seems like the same kind of magic to me. So I don't... Legilimens and Oculans does, especially because Snape actually mentions, I was told that you could throw off an Imperious curse. This uses the same sort of thing. Non-verbal magic to me doesn't. And I think the non-verbal thing ties in with, we learn in this book that Harry just can't grasp the summoning charm. He's... He's, he's the worst in the class at it. And I think he gets like in his own head about stuff and that's how he gets mm. with non-verbal. I don't know. Yeah, I can see him definitely getting in his own head. I think about both things, actually. I think the reason he, that he was, at the end of the day, bad at the legilimency stuff is because it was Snape teaching him. So maybe it does just come down to the teacher, but it seemed weird to me that he's like good at this and not good at that, but I guess Snape explains it. I think it comes down to Harry. Harry isn't a follower type of personality. Harry is a leader. Like Hermione explains it in this, in like another book as... Harry has a saving people thing and I think Harry is very much as much as he doesn't want to be he is a leader he doesn't really listen to authority and I think the imperious curse is rooted in obeying quite a lot so I think people would be naturally better at it if they're natural if they naturally question authority that's how I kind of see it yeah definitely and also we know that Voldemort himself is really good at like this kind of magic and I think we always have to bear in mind that Harry has a piece of Voldemort in him right now that's a good point yeah, uh, all of my points are good, I think you will find. This is another bit where I feel like Moody's testing him and I don't know whether he threw together this entire class as a way to test Harry and to report back to Voldemort like whether Harry is essentially possessable or not. Because you think... But at the end of the day, Moody trained him to mm-hmm. be able to defend himself against Voldemort because in the battle in the end of book four... Voldemort tries to Imperial Harry and it doesn't work. I have a point about this, but I think this seems like the kind of thing that Voldemort would say, you know, gather intel. And this is really, really smart of Moody because if he could report back to Voldemort that, oh, he cannot throw off the Imperial's curse, all they would have had to do is before Harry went into the maze, Imperial him and it literally would be fine. Yeah, It could have played into it so much. And I definitely think that the this the course of this not only this book but the rest of the books is really impacted by the fact that harry 
is really hard to Imperio. But yeah, what doesn't make sense, and I feel like it it doesn't make sense, but you can at the same time see as someone that is passionate about this kind of magic, how Barty Crouch Jr. kind of got like carried away and excited. But when he, he saw how Harry could kind of throw it off, he made him like redo it and like taught him how to throw it off, which is really stupid of him. But you can kind of see if he was like excited by it. Yeah. That you would do that it's almost Um, like being excited by power yeah exactly because barty crouch jr is definitely someone who likes power yeah i feel like he was testing him and he passed the test and then he got really excited by that but yeah it is really dumb that he did basically just teach him how to throw it off because he just kept making him do it bear in mind like barty crouch jr was kept under the imperious curse for like how many years like 10 years yeah so i think maybe the fact that harry was able to throw it off in one minute was him being like whoa that took me 10 years to throw off like this kid that this is the reason why voldemort's so obsessed with this kid like maybe before he was like why is voldemort so obsessed with this kid why are we putting all this effort in and now he's like oh i see like this is actually Mm -hmm. something to be reckoned with and i actually really need to do this job yeah, and maybe he personally feels against the Imperious Curse now that he was against it, like under it for like ten years. Maybe he's like, "Yes, I need to teach him how to not," because even though I'm not on this kid's side, like I don't want him to do that. Yeah, definitely. So they have a lot of homework. That's about it. And they they learn that the two schools are about to arrive in a week. Then we like skip a week. Oh, but first, Ron teases Hermione <laughs> about finding Cedric attractive, and Hermione's like. It's not because he's handsome and Ron's like, look hot. Ron's just so good in this book. He's so bad because he's such a dick at one point, but he's so good. Yeah. They also have a Care of Magical Creatures lesson in which Draco says that he's not going to do what Hagrid says. And Hagrid's just like, if you don't, I will turn you into a ferret. And I'm just like, (laughs) yes, Hagrid, you're finally standing up for yourself. Yes. So they keep hearing, like one of the things that's been peppered throughout, it's like, this is about the third time, is they keep hearing Fred and George say things like, that would be accusing him. He's avoiding us. And it's Mm -hmm. something that's just dribbled like chefs sprinkled throughout the book and that's all that's all we know uh but i just love things like this that are just peppered through as normal conversation which you read back and you're like ah so they're all discussing the tournament this is fred george and the trio and then the conversation moves on to spew which uh none of them are interested in and fred and george are like no we don't like it we don't want to join but they do tell hermione about the kitchens for the first time and again we're not going to go into spew until we go into it in one chapter but i did want to pull out the bit where hermione calls the elves uneducated which i'm like do you know that did you ask them because just because Mm -hmm. their education isn't the same as yours doesn't mean they're uneducated like yes they're uneducated if you're comparing them to yourself but if they're educated to their like you're comparing them to your own level of education and that's not fair yeah and and it's putting weight on different forms of knowledge because i mean even in terms of like the housework knowledge that the house elves ha- have like that's valuable and that is valid yeah and then also when you consider later on that we actually learn that the house elves are really powerful and have a lot of magic that like is just so above wizards yeah. like the fact that they can operate anywhere and it completely doesn't have any limits for them which then in the end like saves their lives yes yeah. but it's just yeah uneducated because that's what she's assumed about them and like maybe she kind of means educated in terms of like educated about like the issue and the politics yeah, the rights like, their own rights you need to like <laughs> you know say that don't just say uneducated yeah it's the word uneducated but as I said, we'll go into it in a lot more. We may as well call the episode when we're going into it, like, finally talking about elf rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it's the day where they're greeting the two schools. So they go outside to greet the schools. Hermione makes Parvati remove her giant ornamental butterfly from the end of her plait, which is sad. There's a really good Tumblr post where <gasps> someone's like... Are you talking about the Harry- 90s thing? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, Harry Potter's so unrealistic. It's supposed to take place in the 90s, but there's not a single mention of a butterfly hair clip. And then someone's like, screenshotted in this line. I know. It's so good. I was like, yes. I do love that. As someone that owns butterfly hair clips, yes. I do love that post, which is like, the saddest thing about everyone who died in the Battle of Hogwarts is that two days later, 
Smash Mouth All Star came out. I was like, <laughs> it's the biggest tragedy, to be honest. They never knew. <laughs> I love it. So they're all like, where are they going to appear from? Ah! And something flies in from over the forest and it turns out to be a giant carriage. And it's described like a powder blue carriage, like basically Cinderella's carriage with giant horses. Golden horses with red eyes. That sounds fucking terrifying. A little bit, yeah. It's very like, I don't know, feels like those kind of like old films about like greek mythology like jason and the whatever like it's very that vibes i like that though i like those elements being brought into magic like greek mythology i think it like adds this depth rather than just it being surface level oh yeah so 100 but that just makes me it's it's just very yeah yeah very greek mythology so then a giant woman steps out who harry's like maybe Uh, it's because i know her yes who steps out before her a boy steps out oh a boy are you talking about in the film a A boy (laughs) a boy we'll talk about it when we get to the film episode (gasps) but yeah a a boy a boy a a beau batons boy 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 (laughs) so then a giant woman steps out who's described as as big as hagrid but harry finds her like strangely larger because he's used to Hagrid which like fine fine. well because it's women aren't allowed to take up that much space yeah that's what that's what half of my brain was like okay fine half it was like it's because it's a woman (laughs) yeah but this is Madame Maxine and she says that the horses can only drink single malt whiskey and uh, can I be a giant horse yeah or you don't like whiskey no but as an only form of diet thing i'd take it <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair i mean i i do love the film's interpretation of this where i think she says it like in the great hall over dinner and like hagrid like doesn't he like stab flickwick yeah he's like, he's like that turned on by this line that he's just like Ooh, and like accidentally stabs flitwick which like yes i do love that that's like the only thing that film did well Uh, no the other thing they did well which they didn't include it well therefore they didn't do it well is that deleted scene where they sing the school song to the other (laughs) if you guys haven't seen that deleted scene we'll talk about it in the film episode but it's so good it's so good then the lake begins to rumble a whirlpool appears and then a boat comes out of the whirlpool which like what magic is this? How does this magic? That's very good magic. It's so good. Like, it's so cool. If you could pick... Okay, right. If you could pick one, which, like, magical form of transport to, like, arrive by. Okay. And fine. then two, which school to belong to, not including Hogwarts, which would you pick? Okay, I'd arrive by the flying horses because you'd get to fly and see, like, a really sick view. Mm-hmm. And underwater, well, I suppose underwater, if I was in a boat, wouldn't scare me that much. But, like, the sea and that kind of thing kind of scares me. But I don't know if they were underwater, like, maybe not on the, like, in the sea, but you could imagine when going through the lakes, they would go underwater to hide from the muggles. But I don't know whether they just kind of zipped from Durmstrang straight to Hogwarts, or whether the boat, like, went underneath. I don't know. See, here's the thing. Durmstrang's really racist, and full of like dark arts but shit. Are they? Are they? Well, they say Do they have, have a reputation. But they have a reputation, but I think that reputation is only because Grindelwald came from there. Well, they but learn I dark think... arts as a subject. But we only know that because that's what Draco says. That's true. And he is not a reliable. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like they had like one dark wizard and they've kind of become associated with it. But yeah. when you actually like hear Crumb talking about it and he says how like. I think he says, like, either him or, like, him and his friends used to, like, remove the symbols and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know if it, like, is a good school that, like, has just, like, that kind of... A bit like how, like, Slytherin House is, like, stained with that, like, repu- reputation. Yeah. But then Bobaton seems, like, really bitchy. Just, like, super bitchy and petty. So I think I'd have to mm. go with Dermstrang because all the Bobaton's pupils they describe just seem... Just seem so bitchy. Yeah. Like, obviously, we know Fleur gets better, but she's described so horribly in this book. <laughs> I would arrive by the giant ship because I like the boats. Yeah. And I would also go to Durmstrang mm. 
because I hate the French. Charlie, we do have French listeners. Yes, I am joking for those French listeners. And the reason I wanted to make that joke is... Can we get to it when I have a load of comments about how J.K. Rowling describes the French in like a couple of sentences? Yes, because we're going to make the same point. Yes. (laughs) So, um, Karkaroff appears off the boat and he's described as having a fruity voice. Mm -hmm. Fruity. Fruity. This is a bizarre way to describe someone. Is it? But as we know... From everything J.K. Rowling has ever written. Yes. If you are a man that and, seems feminine. Yes. Or if you are a woman that seems who seems masculine, masculine and you're not Hagrid, you must be evil. Yeah. And like, Karkaroff has feminine features. He has like a weak chin and a fruity voice, mm-hmm. which are like negative ways of describing female features, essentially. So she's basically coding him as an evil character. And, like, Karkaroff is a red herring. Like, he's written into the books to be a red herring. And we can tell mm-hmm. he's evil. He's got yellow teeth and cold eyes. But also the, the the words she's using to describe him as evil are somewhat feminine. So it's like... Yeah, she always does this. Yeah. We know she does this. Yeah. It's, you know, you're... You have Hagrid, which is the only, you know, it's the exception that makes the rule or whatever the saying is. Yeah. And then arguments could be made for Dumbledore as well. However, we know that Dumbledore is like a morally grey character. So I don't think Dumbledore counts. Aside from that, if you are a gender who acts like the opposite gender, then you're evil as far as J.K. Rowling is concerned, both within the Harry Potter books and outside of. Very sadly, she's completely wrong. It's just painted as bad straight away. It's this whole like evil characters are ugly thing as well. She's like, yellow teeth. Uh, cold eyes but also like he is evil but he's being used as a red herring throughout the books we're meant to be like oh crumb is the villain like that's what the reader is meant to believe so she's over painting him i think she's like over exaggerating all these features Mm -hmm. so that the reader is like oh that one's evil there he is yeah it's like karkaroff and ludo bagman yeah exactly so then behind karkaroff is crumb and we find out crumb is a school student Mm -hmm, because that makes sense makes total sense Chapter 16, The Goblet of Fire. I don't know, like, once we've passed the chapter and passed the book of our namesake, it just feels a bit... Maybe we should just stop. Let's take a poll. Do you want us to stop? (laughs) Pay us to stop this awful (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So there's girls wondering if Crumb will sign their hat in lipstick, which is just fucking brilliant but Hermione being the way Hermione is in this book is like so scathing of them I'm like no you go girls wanting to to Mm -hmm. sign your hat in lipstick it's brilliant and like the Beaubaton students are just seeming like really cold and really unimpressed and they're looking at Hogwarts which like has always been described magically but they're just kind of looking at it like what is this shit I I kind Um, of love hate the description so I wrote the French are being all haughty which is kind of funny and also kind of mean it's this very English stereotype we have the French being written into the books it's such the British stereotype yeah this is the thing for anyone that isn't British or French but us British, just, it's essentially like countrywide meme that we hate the France. The France? The French. The French. But not as much as the French hate us. That's important yeah. to note. They hate us more. It's just like this kind of like meme of this like mutual hatred. And I mean, it's the very like Monty Python thing <laughs> of the cheese eating surrender, surrender monkeys. monkeys. It It is this huge thing. And like... It just really, really comes through. Like, the way that J.K. Rowling has written them is just like, J.K. Rowling, please think critically about your bigotries for, like, two seconds. I can't two tell seconds. if she actually <laughs> hates the French in the British way or is writing it into the book because she's writing it from the kid's perspective. Like, I can't tell what's yeah. happening here. It's but like I find just... it hilarious in the way I find a sitcom hilarious that takes the piss out of the way the British yeah. hate the French. Like, I'm finding it hilarious from an adult perspective. From, from a child's perspective, I just would have thought the French were all snobbish bitches. 
Yeah, one. I feel like it feeds into that. It's just like they literally personify every French stereotype we have. <laughs> like they might as well be going around like eating frogs and wielding baguettes with some garlic around their necks. Oh my and god! I was tops. so one of my favorite things to do at work. So every company I've worked for has had French people in because I work in the. You know me and Charlie work in the beauty industry. There's like a lot of French people yeah. in the beauty industry because it's very very rooted in France. So every company I've worked for has had French people, and one of my favorite things to do is describe like once a year in primary school we'd have french day what (laughs) we'd have have to dress up as a french person oh no so we would (laughs) this is a real day french day so we would go into school dressed as a French person and like sometimes bring something to eat. So we would dress, all of us, in stripy tops, a beret, and then if you could get hold of it, like a string of onions around your neck, mm-hmm. or you'd carry a baguette. Every yep. year we did this. <laughs> Every wow. year. Until that's just how I thought the French were. And I like to tell that to all my French colleagues. And they're like, there is something wrong with your schooling system. Like, that is not Okay. Okay. So, you know how so far we did a America-themed episode and a German-themed episode? Yes. In a few episodes, we're going to have to do a French-themed episode. Brilliant! Can I right. dress in a stripy top and a beret? It, it's a must. It's, it's... My, like, favourite thing, though, is that um, a couple of jobs ago, my entire team was French. I was the only person in the team that wasn't French. Um, and I had that job for a year. And um, they were all just, they found it so wild, our like French stereotypes. And I told them about the whole like beret and the baguette and the stripy top and the like garlic around the neck. They were like, what? They were like, where did any of this come from? They were like, the baguette, maybe. But they just found it wild because yeah. literally it just completely. But then those are like the silly stereotypes. But then we also have the like, deeper rooted stereotypes about like them being like stuck up and haughty yeah. and stuff which is like really mean but i'm sure they have like mutual ones about us oh they but, definitely um, have mutual ones about us that doesn't make our stereotypes okay yeah can our french viewers please tell us what the french think of the british please yes but, um, right cause... so we describe okay so if i had to describe the french in a few words i'm going to do like outfit and uh, personality this isn't what i think of the french this is how we were raised to think of the french so stripy tops beret onion and french bread or baguette is and looks cheese. and cheese is looks and frogs, food frogs and legs. frogs legs snails and then haughty stuck up cold cold and sophisticated yeah so can you please give us four words to describe not what you think of the brits what the stereotypical french view of the brits is or what you think of the Brits. Or Honestly, what... just lay it on us. Lay it on us. We <laughs> need taking down... Actually, I say we need taking down a peg or two. I hate this country so much. I don't Literally. need taking down a peg or two. We took ourselves down a peg or two. It was <laughs> Brexit, Brexit really rammed us down a few pegs. <laughs> Ten million pegs. Get us out of this country. Do you remember when we offered ourselves for marriage <laughs> during the Brexit yeah. thing? And we had, like, no takers. <laughs> No, to be fair, I do think we had like one taker, but I think that was it. Wow. Just neither of us are marriage material. No, clearly not. Uh... <laughs> so Ron being Ron refuses to eat the foreign food, which again is just brilliant. <laughs> oh my god. It's so British. And it's also like the amount of times the word foreign is used in this chapter. Oh I like, know. You use a different word because but the I know thing that is, for- the word didn't have that connotation in 2000 no. when this was written this is this is us using it from like a brexit perspective no i feel like in 2000 it still might have but i don't because definitely the word foreign i feel like was quite uh layered before brexit even i just, it's just yeah. it's so like we've covered it before like obviously like in theory the word foreign is just like fine like it has a meaning but now it's it started to mean like foreign yeah um, in 2020 it I just... something very different did you just spill your drink everywhere yeah do you need to clean that up 
Excuse me whilst I suck gin off my leg. <laughs> Spillage is lickage. Spill it. We like to drink with Charlie because Charlie is our mate. And when we drink with Charlie, she licks it off her leg. Seven, six, I did five. just lick my leg. Uh, the good news is that it is mostly over me, not my bedding. Good, because your bedding is white. Yeah, so Ron starts obsessing over Crumb. Um, he's even like, oh, like he can take my bed. Oh, my God. can't bed. <laughs> Like, did Ron not oh. think sleeping arrangements had been thought up for these pupils? He's like, he can take my bed, I'll sleep in a camp bed. I'm like, Ron, Literally, calm down. Like, why, why does he not think they would have this covered? Like, So then a French girl comes over and asks Ron for the... I wrote French dish. Bouillabaisse. What is bouillabaisse? I don't know. Okay. I don't even know if that's um, how you said it. Say it. Yeah. And then, like, as she walks away he's like oh my god like she's a vila and yeah. like Hermione's just being a bit like jealous and weird and she's like no she's not and then like all of the guys are staring at her and then like, all and then Ron's like they don't make them like that at Hogwarts <laughs> they make them okay at Hogwarts wow it's so mean but at the same time <laughs> poor Hermione's just sitting there while these two are like they make them okay at Hogwarts oh they don't make them like that Hogwarts like fuck it's... off both of you this is horrible but also it's hilarious so and they're basing this on one girl but at the same time like I kind of relate because whenever I like go back home like to Suffolk where I am right now and I look on the dating apps I'm like everyone is so ugly <laughs> And then, so and then I go to London and I'm just like, oh, everyone is so sexy. Like, I just, they don't make them like that here. I also, it just so gives me flashbacks to being like, okay, can you start to, we're going to talk about this more in the Yule Ball, but just put yourself in the mind of like 14 and 15 year old you and going to people's birthday discos. And so I was... <laughs> This is so gonna sound like I'm not one of those girls, but I, I, I like I was the kind of girl who was friends with a lot of guys age 40. But like my friendship group was like a mix of guys and girls. That's what I'm saying. But I was mm. always the friend who was like just giving advice on what girls to go out with and encouraging things to happen. But literally never had a boyfriend ever. I like oh it was everyone thought I was a dork. I was a dork. It's fine. I that's fine. It just reminds me of like being like giving advice to my guy friends whilst having this huge crush on them and then being like they're so beautiful don't you think like they're the most beautiful person ever and me being like yeah they're amazing they're amazing notice me (laughs) i incredibly had the opposite experience where although i was a giant dork i was also in a friendship group of giant dorks and i was the only one who like dyed my hair wore makeup Mm. liked boys slash and girls secretly and like so I was the only one who would like date like with the, the the like commas around date basically I would be the only one being like yeah I'm going out with this boy and it would just be like some boy that had asked me out and then we wouldn't speak for like two weeks and then we would break up see um, I was so jealous of those girls I I mean this is fine to I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 17 like I just, I never had that like small dating thing that you had. And I was like, there must be something wrong with me. I am clearly a horrible turd. (laughs) I mean, I can understand the insecurity at the time, but now it's just laughable. I know. Boyfriend since I was like 11. And it's just like, no. No, I know. I'm like, now I'm like, that means nothing. But at 14, it was the biggest embarrassing thing of my life. Yeah. I mean, this does sound like massively like, white girl problems but like it sucked being like the other end of it where like literally none of my friends so i would like have boy issues and they would just be like anime and i was just like like i just had no one to talk to about that stuff like it really sucked honestly like they just weren't interested in it which is like so valid and like i shouldn't have been interested in it but on the other hand i was just like someone to get the help so i I had a story i'm just dying alone 12 year old me had better game than me now you can't have game during (laughs) coronavirus don't have game right now oh god you could go on those virtual dates i've read so many great twitter threads about virtual dates and it's just not gonna happen whilst i'm here so i have a story that i was going to tell but i'm gonna save it for the yule bull chapter so someone like tweet me to remind me or charlie remind me i have like i told it the other day in work and people were like 
Wow, that is such a 14-year-old story. I was like, I know, but it's great, isn't it? Like, I'm, so Someone needs to remind I'm me. I'm literally so excited. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So Bagman and Crouch are there. They're just there. And Dumbledore... Dumbledore is explaining the Triwizard Tournament, right? And he says the person with the highest total score wins the Triwizard Cup. But that's not right. Because no. in the end, it's a race. Like, Dumbledore is literally wrong. So, and this is something about the third task that really fucking annoys me. The, the <laughs> scores they got just means they get, like, a 10-minute bonus in the final round. Which means, basically, if something happens to one of the players or one of them gets lucky that there is no advantage to winning the yeah. first two tournaments. They basically mean nothing. And also Dumbledore is wrong as his speech. And I'm just annoyed. Mm-hmm. It, it It's a very similar, like, uh, scoring system to Quidditch in which it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore explains that the Goblet of Fire will choose the champions and that there's going to be an age line to spot people, to, to stop people, like, you know, cheating, yeah. doing the underage shit. Yeah. Um, and then Karkaroff spots Harry. And has, like, a little freak out for a bit. One thing I was going to say about this, about the Goblet of Fire, is... Right, it basically says that becoming a champion is a magical binding contract that cannot be broken. What happens if you break it? It's never explained. I honestly, like, I always pictured it a lot like if you break the unbreakable vow. Like, I just literally pictured that you drop, drop down dead. But that was me, like, being a child and assuming... So, um, I don't know. I don't... It's just always explained as, like, it cannot be broken. It's a magical contract. I'm like, yes, but what are the consequences? Like, no one seems to yeah. be explaining this. I need to know the consequences of a contract. Because, like, you dying just seems really extreme. Really well, you extreme. you have, like, a valid reason. Like, I really, like... What if, like, your mum then was, like... Exactly. Dying. What if the so day before the third tournament, your mum like had a term like a terrible illness and you were like i have to go yeah. see her do you yeah, drop exactly. down dead like yeah horrific what's what's happening in this but yeah, yeah. then karkaroff spots harry and is like Bleh. and then he spots moody and he's a, he's even more like Bleh. he's so shocked and frightened but they've just sat at dinner together did they seriously not spot each other mm-hmm. for the entirety of dinner there aren't that many teachers at hogwarts like there's not that many they were just like wearing those things that like horses wear that like, like blinkers the side of your yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean that's the only explanation so then it's the next day hatter is groping her goblet wow she just downed some wine it was literally a sip that was definitely a chug it wasn't so harry mentions offhand that if he were to enter his name in the cup he would have done it at night which becomes important later it's just like a line harry says mm-hmm. um so fred and george arrive and they've taken the aging potion so they cross the line and it hurls them out 10 feet right can you just imagine flying 10 feet across a room onto a stone floor i mean no because you know my thing with measurements where i can't visualize them oh my god one of the most memorable things to me was charlie coming up to me during my internship (laughs) handing me a box that she needed to post and saying how much do you reckon this weighs and i held it and went i don't know maybe the amount of a bag of sugar and she was like well, how much is a bag of sugar? There are different sized bags of sugar. You can get a little bag. You can get a huge bag. You can get a medium bag. <laughs> it was even the fact, though, that you were trying to come up to me and make me guess a weight of a parcel you were trying to post. Just find the fucking scales. <laughs> so I was in the kitchen with my mum the other day who was baking and she was like trying to like measure out ingredients and she she was like holding stuff and being like, is this is this like a bag like she was trying to like guess measurements and then she was trying to say to herself like is this like a bag of flour and then she was like she turned to me and she was like how much does a bag of flour weigh and i like instantly got triggered and i was like this is where i've got it from yeah literally (laughs) 
Oh, we God, had so, yeah, scales I... in that office. I don't know why you didn't go find yeah. them. But then me and my mum were then having a discussion where we were just like, they just need like one measurement. Like I'm fed up of all of these different like measurement systems. They need just like one. Like you've got like milliliters and that's it. That's just like the only one. So rather than being like, oh, like I'm going to measure this in like grams or like it, it was a foot long or like it was like eight inches long, if only. But like it needs to just be like it was like this many like milliliters long. There needs to be like one measurement for like weight and length and everything. How would that ever work? How wouldn't it work? Anyway, they get thrown out ten feet onto a cold stone floor. But who also, knows how long that is? It's a person plus a half. Right. Yeah. So I'm five foot seven. So it's me plus like half. No, it's like me minus like. Oh no, more than half. Like a bit. No, not you minus a bit. Well, no, because I'm five ten, foot seven, and it's ten so, foot. So yeah, it's you. But you doubled me. So oh, it's you me didn't twice, say double. You just said you just said you minus. It's oh, like you sorry, and three was, quarters. It like it's me twice, and then like. If you chopped a bit of me off. So you and three quarters. If you were going to have to chop a bit of me off, what bit would you chop off? I mean, your head's really nice, so I'd leave that. Thank you. I mean, are we talking like length or are we talking just to chop a bit off? Yeah, if you just had to remove like an eighth of me. An eighth, okay. I mean, I don't want to affect your job. So I think I'd remove just, like, one knee down on, like, your left leg. Oh, that's quite considerate. That's all right. Actually, if I was to chop off an eighth of you, I'd just, you know, lop off both breasts. Just get rid of them. That's definitely not an eighth of me. That's, like, that's, like, not even, like, an ounce. I don't know how much an ounce is. It's more than an ounce. (laughs) My point is that there is no boobage to chop off. You would have a mission anyway they grow really long beards and dumbledore is just like lol go to madame pomfrey twats yeah which is great angelina johnson i love this like form of punishment because it's like it also just like dobs them in yeah you know it's like not just you're an idiot yeah yeah exactly i like how dumbledore clearly drew the age line like it will throw anyone out and then McGonagall was like, yeah, that... No, I, I imagine McGonagall drew the age line like, yeah, this is perfect. It's going to get anyone out. And Dumbledore just came along like, and it grows them a beard. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We find out Angelina Johnson has put her name in, which yes, Angelina. She, she should have won. She should have got it. And then the trio go to visit Hagrid. And they spend mm-hmm. the whole day there. And he's trying to make himself look pretty. So he's put his hair in bunches. Yeah, that's what we are. To be fair, I would like that in a man. Bunches? Like thick, axle-greased bunches. Maybe not greased. I'd like kind of hate hair gel in like any context. Wait, I use hair gel. What? No, but you use hair gel in a way that it's like, it's not like gel. It's like, it just gives you a bit of volume. I hate hair gel when it's like, you know, when it becomes like rock hard and shiny. Oh yeah, no, I don't do that. I have to do it because I have short hair. Like I need the texture. Yeah. You use it like correctly how it's supposed to be. Like you just use like a teeny tiny bit and it just like gives you like slight volume and hold. But I mean, I hate hair gel when it's like people like, like, you know what boys used to do when they were like 11 and they literally used to do the quiffs. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm getting flashbacks to when they would smooth their whole head down and then just do the row of spikes at the front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I mean. Or like Ross from friends or like people that will like tie their hair up in a ponytail and gel it all the way back, which I will admit this is like slight PTSD from doing amateur theatre when I was young and they literally used to like gel your entire hair back in a ponytail flat to your head until it was like rock hard. And they used to like pull and it would hurt and then they would like lay the gel on and then pull more and it would hurt and then they would lay more gel on and then you would have to have like five showers to get it out. Oh yeah, dance. Like your hair ponytail could not move around in dance so you would get that gelled hairspray. Gel hairspray until it's literally like a fate like it's pulling your head back yeah yeah that's yeah 
I remember that. Yeah, but um, Hagrid, Hagrid, oh, he's so sweet though. He's got bunches. He tries to put aftershave on. He's wearing his and hairy it's too much. suit and it's too so, much. So then he goes out to try and remove it and then just spots Madame Maxine and just abandons the kids. I love and it. Just like, They're like, I th- am I so like, I thought we were walking up together. I love it. Hagrid's just like, bye. I love him. I like how he just becomes an idiot around her. That's how like, if a man doesn't become an idiot around you, he, he doesn't like you. I really kind of like how much more significant the romance plots are in this book straight away like the first instance we got in it was in book three we got like ron kind of like madame rosmert <laughs> and, and she's busty <laughs> and harry likes cho like we kind of got his mm-hmm. stomach flipped over but this book really starts to go hard on people liking each other and people being attracted to one another but i think that reflects the shift from being 13 to being like 14 15 i think i think it does reflect that shit like 11 and 12 you're still very much a child i think and like i mean obviously you can be attracted towards people at that age like obviously but it's 14 is when you really start to hit that all-consuming stage where you think that who you're attracted to is the most important thing in the world and it's all you can think about and I think the books really reflect that and like although it's weird to read about it as an adult like all these fancying subplots because in some ways it seems childish it does it J.K. Rowling does a really good job of capturing the the feelings of that age yeah definitely so they go up to the feast and everyone is like just really eagerly anticipating the champions being announced and they're not really caring about like the feast that's in front of them they just like want to know who's been picked yeah um so all of the champions get announced so it's crumb for Durmstrang, which, which is predictable how shit is that for the other Durmstrang students like they already have to cope with the fact that crumb is an internationally mm-hmm. renowned best seeker in the world and then they're up for the chance of playing in the goblet of fire which is like you know, not as big as the Quidditch World Cup, but still exciting. And Crumb gets that as well. Yeah. And also, like, it's just weird to me because I don't know if this line is in the books, I can't remember, but in the film, there's a bit where Moody says that, like, Crumb's really dumb, basically. But it's like, if he's really dumb, why would he be picked? And I don't he's know not if dumb. that's just, like, a film thing or if it's just, like, in Crumb's interpretation, but, like, he wouldn't be picked he's, if he was a dumb dumb. He's not dumb. He's not dumb. Yeah. He's then, very perceptive, actually, I think, the character. He just doesn't speak much. So then, again, predictably, Fleur gets picked, which you're just like, she's the only one that's been called out, so of course it's her. But we don't uh, know her name at this point. She's just been called out as, like, the snooty yeah, one. Exactly. And, like, the pretty one. Yeah. And then Cedric gets picked, and, like, everyone's really happy. I mean, at least, like, the, I don't know. And the Hufflepuffs are. Right? Hufflepuffs, yeah. I, I still think that it... It should have been, um, what's her name? I do love Angelina. the Cedric storyline, though. Like, I really like this whole thing about Cedric just being a good guy. Uh, I do, but it's just, like, predictable that it's just, like, the white male. You know? Should He's have been a... Angelina. It should have been. It should have been. I would have loved it to be Angelina, but it's obviously like it wouldn't work all of the champions the are white. Like, really, What's it was picked point? by a goblet. Why does, why does race men? And also this book is really like, yeah, Fleur's the worst one. She gets scared by everything. I'm like, why? Because she's a woman? What is this tournament bullshit? Yeah, and why was there only one woman out of, like, four? It's one of those things where it feels like it's very much done to be like, but there was a woman. It's not sexist. And it's like, out of four people, she she was one. Really? She and also been she's, like, like, scared the whole time. Like, it's different if she came second, but she literally came fourth. Exactly. It's like, was that really the, like, was she really the best that, like, Beaubatons had to offer you know like she did not do well anyway suddenly another piece of parchment flies out of the goblet and dumbledore reads out harry's name dun dun dun, dun, dun i literally wrote dun 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 because <laughs> it is like such a good chat like you know you've been waiting the whole book for something to happen so far harry is just like watching things happen and you're kind of waiting yeah. to be like yeah what's the plot what's the plot and then it's like and another piece of parchment flew out. And I think at that point, you know it's going to be Harry. Like, as soon as it turns red again, you're like, it's Harry. Yeah, this is one of the bits where, like, if I could read it again for the first time, I would really like to know, like, whether I would have guessed yeah, that it was that Harry, like, from the beginning was going to come out from the moment we know about the yeah. Goblet of Fire. I don't know if I would have or not, but, you know, I would like to know that. But yeah. um, we never it's will. very dramatic. It is so dramatic. And that's where the chapter ends. 
it does. That oh, it does. I liked these two chapters. Yeah, they do. The stuff is really starting to kick off now. We're kind of seeing where the plot's going. It's quite interesting because it breaks the format that we've had before. I know that obviously, like, the third book breaks the format, but it breaks it in, like, a different way where it has, like, the time travel, whereas this is breaking, like, the entire school year up from the start. Like, with the third book, we did the school year and then all of the drama happens at the end yeah this is like drama like the school year has started they've done like a month and now it's just like drama from the start yeah that's what i think that's why i always really like this book because it it is the school year but it's just like breaking it up in a different way yeah and yeah i just i really like the chaps i really just like the world building as well like the expansion of the ministry wizards and and the other schools it really just starts to like it's like harry potter is like this and then every and then from the third book onwards it's like chung chung Chung, 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 yeah. chung, chung, until it's like a world. Yeah. You couldn't it's see the good. gestures Love I was doing it. there. <laughs> yeah. She was making making gestures, many. I feel like I just sounded like Trump's Trump. She was, she making, was making gestures, gestures like gestures, many. Many. <laughs> the, they were good gestures. They, they were, were really good strong. gestures, we, like really strong gestures. We've got the and best we just like gestures. really appreciate the gestures. <laughs> anyway, let's end on that uh, brilliant Trump impression. Bye. Thank you guys so much for watching. Lis- li- Listening. Watch. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. VR, Nathan, Amanda, Catherine, Mark, Katie, Sandra, Danny and Mutalib. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.